your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, Avalanche fans? Thank you for joining me, Locked On Avalanche Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And today we are going to be recapping the interesting weekend that was, which was the Lake Tahoe outdoor game against the Vegas Golden Knights. I had planned on doing an episode on Sunday, which I don't typically do over the weekend, but uh, the way that game went down and, you know, it was way past my bedtime after that game ended. So I apologize for not doing one on Sunday, but here we are on Monday at our regular scheduled time, and we'll be taking a look back at that uh, that interesting day. Thought we were going to have uh, a game at 3 o'clock Eastern time, and uh, got a period in, and then things got interesting. So we're going to break it all down and talk about the game in particular. Players that did well, players didn't that, that did not so well. And then take a look a week ahead for the Avalanche because things get very interesting for Colorado for the rest of the month of February and the month of March. So we are going to take a look at all that. But first things first, follow the show on social media outlets, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche on Twitter. Search for Locked on Avalanche on Instagram. And send any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So... Avalanche do get the win, three to two. So plus there, and what a difference a team makes when you have pretty much most of your roster back. Still a couple guys like Eric, Eric Johnson, Pablo Francois, obviously the backup. But when you have the majority of your team back and you've been playing pretty well against Vegas already in the first two games, and it was noticeable how much better this team is within itself and how much better they are than Vegas. Gabe Landeskog said after the game, he didn't feel like Vegas even wanted to play. seemed like they were disinterested in playing. I don't really disagree with that. There were times where Vegas looked good, sure, but any team can look good at certain points of the game. It just felt to me, did it not to you that, the Avalanche were just in control of this game for the majority of it. Vegas made it interesting, uh, but I think Vegas has a lot of concern when it comes to how they can play against Colorado because you played two games against them where Colorado was a little bit decimated. um, And some people might even say very decimated and they hung with you in one game and then they beat you in another game. And now in this game, sure, the score was three to two, so it was relatively close. But Colorado really seemed like they were in control for most of the game. Now, that doesn't guarantee a win, but when you're just looking at the game as a whole and how how they played, I thought they played great. And they started it off early um, with, with the Sam Girard goal, only a few minutes in. So we'll talk about the game, but I think everybody's talking about the, I guess the the game itself in terms of 
it being delayed? And should the NHL continue to do this? Um, I'm of the camp that says, absolutely. These are things that they can't control in terms of the weather. And it's not like the temperature was what the problem was. It was the sun. And when you play a sport that's on ice, the sun might be a problem sometimes. But the NHL has been doing these outdoor games for quite a long time now. And there hasn't, this hasn't happened that many times. They've lucked out more times than not. But some people are calling for, you know, this shouldn't be, you know, should the NHL stop doing this? The game that went on Sunday, the Bruins and the Flyers, that game started, even that game was pushed back another half hour. It was pushed back to seven o'clock and it was pushed back another half hour to 730. And then it was pushing even another 10, 15 minutes to 740, 745. But if you watch that game, even that first period was, you know, I, I, it had the scenery in the background. You had the mountains, you had the lake, you had the people on the lake. And I think that's what the NHL was going for. I think the NHL wanted that visual because that's part of the reason why a lot of people were tuning in. If, you were, if you're not an NHL fan and you're not, you don't really care about the teams playing, you're watching because, number one, it's an outdoor game and that's going to have people tune in anyway. And number two, that those scenic views – are just awesome to watch. It's like why people, why people watch the Olympics. You know, a lot of people in the United States don't watch a lot of those sports on the regular, but they do, number one, because it's for country and all that stuff. But some of the scenery in some of those sports are incredible. And I think that's what the NHL was going for. I think that's why the Avalanche had an afternoon start time to get an entire game in with that scenery. And they got a period in, but look what, the Bruins and the Flyers are doing. They're basically going to play the same exact game that the Avalanche in Vegas did in terms of scenery, having one period where you have the backdrop and the lake and everything, and the the rest of the game was more or less in, in darkness. So the the Flyers and the Bruins got the same game the Avalanche did, but in a regular timed NHL game where the or the Avalanche and Vegas got it in over the course of 12 hours. So uh, maybe they should just rethink the start times. You know, if you want that scenic view, you can get it. You you might not get the entire game as a scenic view, but maybe you get a period, a period and a half. And I think that's all people really want. You don't have to have the entire thing. So these aren't going away. This is not going to deter the NHL in having these outdoor games. What will be interesting to see is if they do it with this type of setting with no fans. And I know that sounds very odd to say that, but, or you have a very small select amount of fans. I don't know what that number is, but I think, uh, you know, having it the way that they had it set up for today's world that we live in. Yeah, it makes sense. Would they do this going forward? I think they would, but I don't think they would ever do it where they would have zero fans because I think they would want at least a handful of fans. And when I say handful, maybe a couple thousand to experience this. So we'll see. But uh, right now, that's that's what we got. And the Bruins Flyers game went out off without a hitch. And the Avalanche game had some problems and they were big problems. You just saw guys diving and it was always around center ice. 
And, you know, you have to take into account those injuries. I know the Avalanche were saying we were having fun. We, we want to get back out there. And I, even Landeskog said during the first intervention, I think when they had called it, when they called it for later, they were going to postpone it to later. He even said we would go back out there right now, but it's probably best that we don't do that. So I think he understood the severity of it and they were up one nothing at the time. So I think that's maybe part of the reason why I want to get out there. Even if you're down one nothing, you probably want to get out there to even it up. But uh, that would, that was a, that's kind of what people are talking about. And is this a black eye? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think people understand that this could happen. And, you know, for the Avalanche, they get a win in an outdoor game. So that's a plus. And I think overall, I think Avalanche fans are happy that they got to see their team take part in this. Wearing those reverse retro Nordique uniforms, which looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, and continuing to play well. This team looks really, really good. And, and they're just getting their guys back. They're, they're healthy. Now they just have to stay that way. Big ask, I know. But uh, if they can, this is a, a dynamic, dynamic team. So we're going to get into the specifics of the game. Uh, kind of what went right, what went wrong. Some things I didn't like seeing, mainly out of Vegas, if you know what I mean. Um, and kind of dive into the game itself. So we're going to do that right after this quick little break. All right. Uh, so yeah, Avalanche win at 3-2. to two, First outdoor game. Uh, victory, which hopefully leads them to have some more because I was wondering if they lose this one, man, would, would the NHL really want to put them back out on the ice for another outdoor game? But they got this one under their belt and they looked really good doing it. And they started off early. And in that first period, like I said, uh, Sam Girard with the goal to open up the scoring. And it was good to see him get a goal because that was his first game back. And you know, right off the bat, I think it was within, let me look up the time, but that, that was three, four minutes in, three minutes in. Uh, it was good to see that. So kind of get him, because he's not a goal scorer, but uh, it was a great pass from Nathan McKinnon, who, by the way, just decided to take it over. And that's what he can do. Uh, the goal he had, it has now become, well, it's, yeah, pretty much become, almost a viral video, uh, viral quote now from Alex Petrangelo. I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, for whatever reason, uh, just type in to Google or YouTube, Alex Petrangelo, oh boy, because he saw it happening. And Alex Petrangelo is a good player, so he can see things opening up uh, probably long before they do. And he and Nathan McKinnon went from one side of the ice he was, he was uh, skating into his own zone, into his defensive zone, and just made a big U-turn, and he got the puck right around his own blue line, and Petrangelo saw it happening and just let out an oh boy. And he tried to guard him and tried to pick him up, and it didn't happen. Nathan McKinnon just rifled one on the opposite side of the net over Marc-Andre Fleury. When he's doing that, there, there's no stopping him. And he, from then on, it was like that got him going. 
finished with a goal and two assists. There was another assist uh, or would be assist to, I think it was Landeskog who hit one off the crossbar. Uh, a couple other times that Flurry made some pretty good saves on McKinnon and passes. McKinnon could have had a five or six point night if everything went his way. But he had a, a three point night. And, and when you see him doing that, when you see him playing like that, every time, every shift he's on the ice, you, you're watching him because he can make things happen. And in the first period, Vegas was paying attention to that. And, you know, a lot of teams do this. It's not a surprise, but uh, every time McKinnon went out on the ice, Petrangelo was there. And they were, they were matching those two up. But, you know, as the game goes on and Nathan McKinnon is going to play that way, it, it, there's really nothing the defense can do. There's really nothing any team can do when he wants to take it over. When he's, when he's in a groove, you know, I've said it before, when, it, when a shooter in basketball just gets in a groove, like, you know, you, you've seen Steph Curry do it 10,000 times. You, you can't stop him. You can't stop him. And it's, it's fun to watch. So uh, he was doing his Nathan McKinnon things, as they say, which was awesome to watch. Vegas was getting a little chippy. And I feel like this is how Vegas feels like they have to play against Colorado. And there was two nasty hits. Uh, the first one was in the first period when Ryan Reeves just completely obliterated Tyson Joe straight from the back. Nothing was called. And it, number one, penalty easily. Number two, that's a dangerous, dangerous hit. You know, that that, that could be career-ending hit if you hit the guy just right. Uh, but nothing was called on that. And then when in the second period when they resumed play, uh, 17,000 hours later, it was William Carrier who hit Landeskog with a completely uncalled for hit. He came flying in uh, on his side, arm flailing up in it, right into Landeskog's face. And again, nothing called. You guys listen to this show. You know I don't like to get on the refs or anything like that. But those were two easily missed calls. And then they had a penalty called on Avalanche, and I think it was Belmar. They called him for goalie interference when Flurry was clearly out of the crease. And it wasn't like, I mean, that, that's, Belmar has rights to that spot as well. And they, he, he scored on it um, after like a rebound, but they called, they waved it off and said, uh, goalie interference. And then later on, someone was uh, from Vegas was checked by an avalanche player into Burakovsky and they called another goalie interference on that, which wasn't, I'm sorry. I know that's Vegas, but it wasn't. Uh, so I don't know if the, the lights were getting to them or what the case may be, but it just seemed it wasn't one way. And, and that's kind of what I want to emphasize. It wasn't just the avalanche. were not getting calls or getting calls. Uh, Vegas was too. It was, it was not the best night for the refs in my opinion, but <clears throat> excuse me, it didn't really seem to hurt Colorado that much. Colorado still struggling on the power play, but in terms of not netting a goal, but it did look better. And at least they were able to bring the puck into the zone. You could tell they had worked on that. 
and did some different things. They were not just relying on the turnaround pass to Nathan McKinnon and let him do all the work. They were, they, they were seeing what's in front of them and saying like, if this guy's giving me our zone, I'm just going to bring it into the zone, which why aren't you doing that all along? They were too dead set on turning around, giving it to Nathan McKinnon and letting him do his thing. And teams are ready for that. And as skilled as Nathan McKinnon is, you know, he's going to struggle to get the puck into the zone when they know that it's coming. But there were times where they would pass it off to the side. And I think it was Gabe Landeskog who was going to pass it to Nathan McKinnon on that drop pass. But he just looked in front of him and said, I'll just bring it in myself. And then you can get the cycles going and, and get the power play plays moving. And they had looks. They didn't score. They were 0 for 4. So was Vegas. So the penalty kill continues to do very well. But you want to see the Avalanche net a couple power plays here. You want to see them do a 5 for 7 like they did earlier in the year. You want to see that. Although that doesn't happen hardly ever. But you still want to see that. But where I think people are going to hone in now is the 5 on 3 that they had. And they had a 5 on 3 for a good amount of time got good looks, but couldn't get anything. So uh, I think if if it was still where they were just not being able to penetrate that zone and not even get set and get in their sets for the power play, I'd be a little bit more angry than I am. Uh, but at least they got back into the flow of because Cam McCarr was there. How much of a difference does he make when he's uh, on that point? Uh, now, on the flip side, I said that they did 0 for 4 on the penalty kill and they had to kill a five on three for about a minute and a half and did so to absolute perfection. And a lot of the credit goes towards Ryan Graves. Uh, Ryan Graves played his best game without question, without question. Uh, and it's, I don't think he got on the stat sheet. Let me double check it, but does not matter if he didn't. Uh, no, nothing, but he played a solid, solid defensive game. And that five on three really stood out. All three of those guys didn't leave their posts. They, they, they kept it in home and let Vegas do what they wanted to. Vegas got a little bit too cute sometimes and the avalanche just let them do it. And they stayed home and killed that very, very big penalty. So, uh, Kudos to the Avalanche for continuing to do very good things on the penalty kill. Um, interesting that Bo Byram did not have his best day. So, again, is that something the moment maybe got to him? Um, he went from playing, I think it was 25 minutes the last game against Vegas, to playing 14 and a half minutes. I don't think he saw the ice after the who I think it was the Alex Tuck goal. Seemed like he was a little bit out of position. Tuck made a very good, very good play to get in position to make a play. And uh the goal kind of popped off um Bowen Byram's stick. But just he just didn't seem comfortable out there. And it's different ice. It's different ice. You're outside, obviously. It's cold. It's nighttime. It, it's not the normal setting. So someone who, of his age who's not used to that 
and some of these guys probably, we all know it's Pierre Edward Belmar's first time uh, playing outside. Um, who dropped, he was so close to finally just getting on the ice for warmups and he drops his stick before he takes the ice. So it, that in itself was hilarious. Uh, I, I love that guy. But anyway, getting back to Byram, like he, he just seemed like he was off. And, you know, are, are we worried about him? Not in the slightest. Just didn't seem to have his best game. Um, same thing with Connor Timmons, who got even less than – he got less than 10 minutes of ice time. So he was really focusing in on the Taves and McCarr line and the Graves and Gerard line. Um, and there were times where Gerard and Byram, I think, were out there at the same time. And Vegas is a big team. They 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 don't they might not have the speed <clears throat> that can match Colorado's. They don't have the speed that can match Colorado's, but they have size over Colorado. So you know Gerard's a small guy, although he can mix it up with the best of them. And Byram is still getting his adult body, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if he was getting pushed around too much for for Jared Bednar's liking. But uh, I mean he, he was fine in the first two games. So just something was off with Bowen Byram. So I'm interested to see what he does in the fourth game, the fourth and final game in the series. So, uh, but he'll, he'll get back on track. I'm not worried about that. All right. So uh, let's take a quick little break here from some of our sponsors and then look ahead to this, this schedule. This is a pretty crazy schedule that the avalanche have. Uh, I also want to talk to you guys about locked on today and it is our, New podcast at the network, which is your all-inclusive podcast. It takes uh, news and stories from all of the major sports into one nice, neat little package, and it is the uh, it is hosted, excuse me, by by Peter Bukowski, uh, who also hosts the Locked On Packer Show. So, all the sports that you need in under twenty minutes. Subscribe to Locked On today, wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So let's hear from Built Bar. And you know, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in 18 amazing flavors <clears throat> like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, peanut butter. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. They are great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein and high fiber and great for the keto diet. Most bars contain 19 grams of protein, 180 or 130 calories, five grams, five grams of net carbs. Some even contain four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. Insanely healthy, uh, very good for you, and they taste delicious. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you get 20% off your next order. That's 20% off your next order at builtbar.com when you use the promo code locked on. And also betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, television shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and prop bets on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website. You can use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. 
Once again, that promo code is locked on for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. All right. Finally, look at this schedule for the Colorado Avalanche. So Monday is game four against Vegas. <clears throat> You'd love to see them win that because then you you win that series three to one. And when you look at the the one game that they lost, if they go ahead and win Monday night, was a one to nothing victory for Vegas. And that was your first game back after almost two weeks off. So uh, you, you really want to, and, and on top of that, you're tied with Vegas when it comes to points. But this is, what you have to look at here is points percentage, which is going to be more important, important than points technically. But the way the standings are, we are always going to look at points. And if Colorado can get past Vegas Monday night, they're tied for them in points. You After that, <clears throat> you typically, or you were scheduled to have three days off. And you just had three days off going into the Lake Placid game, but you were scheduled to have another three days off. can guarantee you when this schedule came out and the Avalanche looked at it, they were looking at the three days off between game two and game three, the Lake Tahoe game, and those three days off after game four. Now they're throwing a uh, Minnesota makeup game into the mix on Wednesday. And then Friday and Saturday, you go to Arizona for a back-to-back. Both are in Arizona, by the way. It's, you know We're not doing the back-to-back to home and homes anymore right now. You're doing, if it's a four-game series, you're doing back-to-back there and then in Colorado, but that's not how this is going. The, the four-game series, I don't think the Avalanche have a four-game series for a while, and I think it's against Arizona, but not this one. Let me double-check on that. Um, no. So here's how it works out for the Avalanche for the rest of February and the month of March. Monday, February 22nd, against Vegas. Day off. So this is for this week. Day off on the 23rd, 24th, you're playing um, Minnesota. Day off on Thursday. Then then Friday and Saturday, you are playing in Arizona. So you're playing four games this week. And then when you get into March, you are playing minimally every other day. So you're starting on March 1st. So you can, there's, let's see, one two times you're playing back-to-back games. Uh, The first weekend in March against Anaheim at Ball Arena, and then later on in the month of uh, March 22nd and 23rd at Arizona again. So the Avalanche for for the rest of February and all of March are playing at least every other day and sometimes back-to-back. And then finally, when you get into uh, April, they have, wait for it, two days in a row off on April 1st, which that is not an April Fool's. They do have that day off and Friday, April 2nd. That is a stretch, people. (laughs) So uh, Philip Grubauer has been playing fantastic, played fantastic again in uh, Lake Tahoe. But he is going to need some help for the next five weeks because he cannot do that by himself. We've been saying that since day one. 
that the way that this season is set up, they are going to need some help at the backup position. And we thought that they had that. And I even talked about it last week. Do the avalanche go make a deal? Uh, I think maybe they wanted to get through this weekend in Tahoe. Do they make a deal to bring in some backup or are they happy with what they have? And, you know, I think they might be happy with Hunter Miska who had a false positive for his COVID test. So if they're happy with him, no, they don't go make a deal. And I think, but they have to plan out how many times they're going to use him is using him too much. You know, it, it can he handle what is to come? Cause they're going to re- have to rely on him a little bit more than they typically would. And can he handle that? I think he can handle it when he's thrown out there every once in a while, but do the avalanche feel like he could handle uh, the next five weeks be, you know, playing more than he is probably used to playing at this level. If again, if they feel like he is capable of doing that, then, then you run with it. If they don't, and they feel like they need something a little bit more sturdy, uh, maybe they go make some deal. I don't know. But if something happens, I think it's going to happen relatively quickly. I, I, and I don't remember without my head when the playoff or the um, the trade deadline is. Uh, but it's it's earlier. Well, maybe it's like by the end of March, I'm guessing. Uh, but we'll see. So. All right. So that's going to be it for today, everybody. And entertaining weekend. And I think, you know, it, it makes it a little bit sweeter that the avalanche won it. If they had not come out on top, I think it would have hurt a little bit more, uh, but they, they get a win and they are looking good. And and if they can continue to stay healthy and even get, you know, Eric Johnson back to uh, kind of round out the roster. Um, I think, you know, this, this team is, is hitting a stride quicker than I thought they would. I thought they might need a little bit more time to really get going, but they have looked really good ever since they've returned, even in that first game against Vegas. So uh, things are looking up. So let's hope uh, this schedule that's ahead of them does not wear them down. But it's pretty much the same for everybody. So it's not just a problem that the Avalanche have. So, all right, that's going to be it for today. We've got another week of shows set for uh, the remainder of the week. And thank you for tuning in today and each and every day. It's greatly appreciated as always. So follow me on Twitter and Instagram and send me any emails and let me know how you thought the avalanche did um, and things that they need to work on outside of the stuff we were talking about today. So thank you, everybody, as always, always appreciated. And we'll see everyone tomorrow. Go, abs, go.